Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Take it away, Des. Oh, am I going to do Patreon? Yeah. Uh, okay. So we would like to uh, thank the people who subscribe subscribe to us over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Over there, you can get ad-free episodes. You can get bonus content and our after show, which we do after every main show. We yep. just chit chat. Maybe we talk about like behind the scenes of the episode one of us wrote. You don't know. We talk about all kinds of stuff on the after show. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. That's where Pie Lady came up. That's where Pie Lady came up. Famous Pie Lady. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I am going to thank, and we are still dealing with Julys. So dealing with. Got to get through those Julys. (laughs) Look, we thank everybody. We thank everyone. So we will get through this. Thank you. I mean, it's a good problem to have. So many patrons. Quality problem. We would like to thank Lo, Hannah, Jill, Emily. Kristen, Ralph, Risha, Hannah, Kimberly, Lacey, Megan, Karen, Gina, Jillian, Julie, Donna, Danielle, Lauren, Yana, Nikki, Ligia, Tiki, Shannon, (laughs) (laughs) Sophie, (laughs) Heather, Lacey, Brittany, Eve, Angel, Danny, Jennifer, Martha, Mitch, Allison, Brittany, Emily, Luke, Drew, Etta J, Gabriel, Nika, Megan, Cecilia, Jennifer, Sasha, Erica, Rachel, <gasps> Rosie's mom, Jacob, Lisa, Sarah, Marissa, Emily, Catherine, Kelly, Elizabeth, Shayla, Ellie, Jessica, Sarah, Sheridan, Karen, Kate, Katie, Angela, Giannina, Giannina, Tracy, Aaron, Emily, William, Angie, Nina, Catherine, and Nicole. I got through them all. Are I you kept thinking, I kept thinking it was going to end, and then it kept going. <laughs> so now we're caught up. Wow. Thank you guys so much. Honestly, uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your patience, July people. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for supporting the show. It really does help us. On to the episode. Okay. I texted Desi last night, said this is going to be a two-parter because there is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to cram everything involved to cover Amy's Baking Company in one episode. But it worked out. But it worked out because we'll tell you next week. Oh. (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) We're going to have a very special guest joining us to break down Amy's Baking Company. Yeah. It's not Amy. It's not, it is not Amy. Look, we've, we've like invited, you know, hypothetically invited lots of deranged people to come on the show. I would never invite Amy from Amy's Baking Company into my home. 
Not a fucking no. chance. Not even like remotely. I wouldn't even invite her into my computer space. Absolutely not. I wouldn't send her an email. Rachel knows how computers work. <laughs> my computer space. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I don't yeah. even want to. Sh- I don't. You don't wanna... want her on your d- hard drive. I don't... <laughs> I'm so she's, scared of her. She's haunted. She's so she haunted. Is haunted. And we're <laughs> so. Don't worry. We will be covering extensively Amy's Baking Company, which is quite possibly. One of the greatest reality show episodes ever yeah. of all time. It's actually a two-parter. It's what you want in a reality show. People completely unhinged <sighs> and in denial of reality. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, this is Kitchen Nightmares Part 1. Desi, you've seen Kitchen Nightmares. Yes. You, you watched some episodes to refresh yourself on the majesty that is this TV program this week. Yeah. I actually looked up list and found like the most explosive and like you have to watch these episodes type right. things. Right. So I did start going through that list. Obviously Amy's Baking Company is like number one on all of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also other good ones. Yeah. There's, I mean. It's like there is a lot of really great episodes. There's rarely a dud well, if you you take into you take in like people who are desperately unwilling to admit they're at fault for anything, yeah, and put them together with Gordon Ramsay, yeah, who is like incredibly um, about inca- accountability, <laughs> and it's just not going to go well because he's he's not going to sugarcoat things, and these people can't admit it sometimes, no. and it's just. Even when they turn around, sometimes sometimes it takes a while, yeah. even for the sort of success stories. And he's sort of the perfect person to star in this role as the as the guy who's going to come in and fix it. Be, just because his TV persona is that of someone who is so unbelievably blunt, and and he's competent, and and he's very Over, com- I mean, overly competent. He's very yeah. competent, but he's very blunt, and he has like some of the most legendary insults of all time. And it's for some reason works. Like he doesn't come off mean because these people are that bad at what they're doing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and and the best episodes for me are ones that involve families. Yeah, I mean, there's other great ones that well, don't. He always gets into the nitty gritty of like you hate each other, don't you? Yeah, because this tu- then it turns into like group therapy, <laughs> yes. and it's like when the restaurant has problems that are also related to the family problems. It's just, it's a, it's like majestic. I feel like there was one episode where he got the whole family together at the restaurant and showed like a slideshow of them in like better times. I watched one recently that was in a restaurant in Long Beach. I think it was called Nico's. And it was, it was all fa- like, it was genera- generational family trauma. <laughs> like, what's happening? Oh like, and one person stormed out at the end because he was unhappy that the bad brother changed. And he like couldn't accept it. It right. was wild, like because the brother was annoying, but he was not ready to relinquish Nino's. his role. Nino's, Nino's. Right. He was not ready to relinquish his role as the brother who was coming down hard on the big brother. You know what's great about the Nino's episode is that yeah, Nino is like the 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 fuck up brother. Yeah, right. And his older brother is like the together one so he was the middle brother okay the middle brother is like the one who's got it all together and he's supposed to be like the responsible one right whatever 
And yeah, he cannot handle that like plot twist. It turns out you're the asshole. Right, because the whole episode, you're kind of like, yeah, Michael's right. I mean, it's harsh, but you are a fuck-up, Nino. Right. And then he can't give Nino credit at the end and storms out. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, whoa, so so someone else has issues here. <laughs> like, <laughs> One of my favorite, in, I was trying to like compile a list of like my favorite Gordon Ramsay insults, and I think I'll just save that for next week because I didn't get that list going today, but... I did write down one that was particularly memorable to me, and that is when he... It's in the first season. He goes to a restaurant called Sebastian's, which is no more. It used to be in Toluca oh, Lake. Yeah, this is I a, started that one. This is a great episode. Spoiler alert, Desi. At the end of the episode, this is after he's made the changes to the restaurant and everything, the owner is still a belligerent asshole, and Gordon Ramsay says to him, and this is like usually at the end of the episodes, it's kind of like a like heartwarming, right. like, oh, we're going to turn this ship around. Everyone's very hopeful. Yeah, everyone's very hopeful. But Gordon Ramsay looks this guy in the eye and he says, I have never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> met someone I believe in as little as you. <laughs> I think I saw that in the like the previews, yeah. but you don't realize it's the at the end, right? You think it's at the beginning. That's or what's something. so funny about it is it's supposed to be yeah. like oh he's supposed to ride off into the sunset having fixed this restaurant. Well, there's definitely although they all mostly end hopefully. There's definitely some some I believe in more than others. I'm like you're not going to keep up that like food. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like God well, bless you, but it's and, not happening. And you can even see it on Gordon's face by what he says in his little like 30 second. Oh right, when you his know, Springer moment his at the little, end. <laughs> his little final thought at the end when he's kind of like, "Wow, yeah, that was a lot." We'll see. We'll I see. gave them the tools. <laughs> now it's up to them. So Kitchen Nightmares began as a British reality show that premiered in 2004 and spanned five seasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've never seen the UK version, but like a lot of UK <laughs> versions of the show, it's a lot more, it's a lot less unhinged right? than the American version because Americans are just unhinged people. Yeah. I, I can imagine it being cute. But yeah. Probably I mean, not as bad. It's still a good show. Like people like the UK version a lot, but it's just like a different, it's a different thing. It's yeah. not as like chaotic with the like, like, I don't know. I have to watch it, but I'm, I, I imagine it doesn't have like the crazy sound effects as much that like American, re- like the score. It's really slickly produced the American version. Yeah. Like it has dramatic music and like, they edit it sometimes. The yeah. They always do the symbols going yeah. like psh, when something <laughs> like a crescendo is happening. Yes. Okay, so this iteration starred restaurateur and chef Gordon Ramsay as he traveled around England, Wales, Scotland, and sometimes Spain attempting to fix failing restaurants. The show then relaunched in the States in 2007 with Ramsay in tow trying to fix America's bad restaurants. And that is the version of the show we will be talking about today. Now look, it is hard running a restaurant. It is very difficult. I have not done it myself, but from people I know who have tried to run restaurants, just reading about it, what it takes, it's very difficult. And it's very difficult to keep your restaurant open and to make a profit. Yeah. So that is not an unusual thing. 
these restaurants that are portrayed on the show are often failing from a combination of really bad food and really demented ownership. Yes. Like unhinged personalities. And are are there some sort of dictator that no one confronts? Yeah. That's ruining everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody who um, maxed out their wife's credit cards to try and keep this ship afloat. That's what's so sad to me is some of these people have thrown so much money down the drain. It's almost like a gambling debt, right? Like you just keep putting it in more and more because you need to save it and you think it's going to finally take off, you know? Is that what they mean by sunk cost fallacy? Like, Oh, damn, girl. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know what I mean? Where it's like you you don't want to... Like you've put in this much already, you just keep going. Yeah, but that's what I mean by like de- gambling. It is. Yeah, like you that. keep keep putting it in because you're like, I could turn it around and then we'll be in in the black, right? Right. But they never are. It yeah. just gets worse and worse. Well, because they're working with a bad product, so it's like if you don't change the restaurant in some major way, it's not going to ever change, no matter how much money you throw at it. Yeah. So in a last ditch effort, these restaurants have called Gordon Ramsay and Kitchen Nightmares to come save the day. But before the first episode even aired, the reality show made headlines when the manager of a New York restaurant filed a lawsuit against Gordon Ramsay for what he felt was an inaccurate and slanderous portrayal of him and the restaurant he worked for. Oh my God. Is this the guy from Dylan's? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot believe he sued. He sued. Oh my God. We're going to talk about this restaurant. The restaurant in question was Dylan's in Manhattan. This restaurant's manager, Martin Hyde, urged the owners and the staff to participate on Gordon Ramsay's show in an attempt to improve their failing restaurant. So it was his idea. He's like, we got to get Gordon. I mean, he's like a British guy. Yeah. He probably knows Gordon Ramsay. Of course. Obviously, all British people know each other. (laughs) And the Manhattan restaurant itself was bizarre. It served Irish and Indian food. I mean, when I heard that, part of me was like, maybe you can make it work. (laughs) They did not make it work. Because it's like you're thinking like, okay, like shepherd's pie, it's like lamb and like potato and peas. You could Maybe you could have made like a curry version or something like, I could see it possibly working, but it just was a disaster. Like, it wasn't, they didn't even try to do any sort of mashup. No, it was two menus. It was two separate menus at the restaurant. And that's always, that can be a red flag because it's like, well, what are you actually good at? Are you good at cooking Irish food or good at cooking Indian the food? The whole restaurant was bad vibes. It was like so just bad. like beyond that, it's just like all, from top to bottom, it was a disaster. The first thing you see when you walk up to this restaurant on the show, it's like in it's like what was it? 54th? It's like Midtown somewhere. It, it was I, a good location. I thought it was in like the theater district. Yeah, so like in the 50s but near yeah. the theaters okay. cuz it had like walking traffic. Like it it was a location that was great. Right. The location was great. It's it has, like, the first thing you notice when you walk up to this restaurant is this, like, uh, scoreboard-looking digital sign. Insane. It looked like a sports bar yeah. thing, like, you would have. And it was, like, blinking, but and also doing that thing where it's, like... The scroll. Moving the scroll. And, like, the um, 
the eight bit kind of <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like just, the letters are like the dots. So they're all kind of squared off or it, something. It had no point of view. I, I mean, melon, it had zero point of view. It was bizarre. So items on the menu included classic Indian dishes alongside shepherd's pie and burgers. And neither of them look good. No. Ramsey said that a veggie fritter he was served as an appetizer looked like a dehydrated turd. Yeah. Let me just give a break. They were like those pakoras that looked awful. Let me just give a quick breakdown for people who haven't seen Kitchen Nightmares, like the format of the show. So basically, Ramsey shows up to this restaurant that's struggling. He walks in. He makes his little quips about the decor, which is usually awful. This was particularly awful with the sheets on the wall. Yeah, like, it had what, she- <laughs> like what was that? Like, are you remodeling? No, they're covering up gross walls with sheets, it- like, <laughs> and trying to make it look like drapes. And it looked like they were hanging up by thumbtacks. You looked like when you walked in this restaurant, you were looked like you were going in a temporary tent, yeah, like at a wedding or something. It, it was really it weird. was bizarre. So Gordon comes into the restaurant. He makes it sassy quip about how bad the decor is he sits down he has like a a funny little moment with the wait staff because the wait staff they always know shit's bad that's where he gets all the gossip he gets all the gossip (laughs) he gets all the gossip from the servers because the servers are always like yeah this this the food sucks here what must it be like to be a waiter in one of these places like there must make five dollars a shift Ugh. Like it is so terrible. Not to mention the fact that they're abused by their bosses. And they have to serve the most disgusting food that's always returned. Always. Yeah. So he has a little moment with, with the server. Then he orders several things from the menu because he needs to do a little tasting. He does like a nice little sampling. He always orders the salmon if it's on the menu, I've noticed. I think because fish is a good qual- um, a good sign of the quality of the restaurant. Oh, I never even thought right? of that. Like fish. I right? always wonder why he's like, I'll have the salmon. No, I feel like the fish is like a telltale sign. So he, he, he orders that a lot. And then the food comes out. Each dish comes out one by one. And it's always the same, similar reactions. He's always like, it's bland or like. That's a good reaction. No, that's, that's 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 like one of his better. If it's just bland, you're in in good shape. But that's some, but that is something he says. Yeah, he does say, "Oh, it's bland," or he'll say like, "Like, look at that, look at that. It's yeah. just greasy." Oh, just when he picks up like a fucking garnish, yeah. or just like <laughs> the amazing thing to me on this show is that people at the very least don't make their very best or do the best they can, the freshest thing they have in this moment. Right. They'll still put out the same shit. That's how you know they literally don't know. They're incompetent. But yeah, they're totally incompetent. So yeah, he called that veggie fritter he had a dehydrated turd. Worse was that this fritter that he ordered was labeled as like a vegetarian. Oh, right. It was part of like a vegetarian appetizer sampler. And the fritter had meat in it. They had some issues with their meat because oh. he ordered lamb too. And he's like, is this pork? Like it was just like, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, everything is mystery meat here. It's like awful. Everything. Yeah. So it was, the food was really bad. Then what happens in the show before he continues with Mark, with uh, Dylan's, then what happens after he eats, he eats the food, which is always terrible. And he has lots of com- different various complaints about it. He goes into the kitchen and he's like, what's going on in the kitchen? And he inspects the kitchen and 
a lot of times the kitchen is disgusting and not in a way that you like like would ever ex- like like okay that's reasonably disgusting it's like there are some of these kitchens that are horrific yeah this isn't just like i left a dirty sponge on the plating area. Yeah. Like, it is filthy. Yeah. It isn't stuff like, oh, we don't want the health department to know about that, but it's not gross. Li- it's not, it's not terrible. Or you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. not terrible necessarily, or it's not, it's like, yeah, it's like a dirty frying pan on the floor or yeah, something. It's like, more yeah. just like, don't do that again. Yes. Don't do that. Let's not do that here. It's like really horrific shit. Like moldy food in the fridge. The fridge is leaking inside liquid, like, Slimy chicken, yeah, and old like, food. Sometimes they'll be like, "There's rat droppings." <laughs> well, this kitchen in particular, <laughs> bug was the most disgusting kitchen I had ever seen. It Dylan's, was Dylan's. I have, I haven't seen every episode, but I can't no. imagine anyone being worse than this one. This was one of the worst kitchens I've seen on Kitchen Nightmares. It's pretty bad. So then he goes in. Then what happens is they do like a dinner service. Where he doesn't make any changes, he just sees how it is on like a here. What do you do when you on have, a typical night? Yeah, when you have customers. Except it's not a typical night. What what the show does behind the scenes is they put up some kind of like a casting notice. Hey, right, because it's definitely busier than this restaurant ever is. Yeah, at all. <laughs> I mean, that is literally what happens. Is Kitchen Nightmares will put up somewhere online or some kind of casting notice. Like if you want to eat, if you want to participate in an episode of Kitchen Nightmares, come on down. Gordon Ramsay will be there. Participants don't get to choose if they get to go to the before version of the restaurant or the the after version. Interesting. Uh, So, well, I did always wonder why the, um, the guests are always like very um, talkative. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Because it's like a little more than you would expect. We'll talk about that because I have some Reddit stuff I want to get into from people who have been on the show. Oh, cool. Who have participated in it. But yeah, so you go through a dinner service. The customers are always complaining about the food during this dinner service. They they're encouraged by production to like voice their complaints if something's wrong. So we as the viewers can be like, see. No one likes this place. Right. And it is kind of, it also solves the mystery because I'm like, why would they want people to come in and eat here knowing how gross the kitchen is sometimes right. and stuff like that? And then sometimes in very extreme circumstances, if Gordon notices, like, because he's still rifling through the kitchen and in the kitchen while customers are being served, if he notices like some particularly egregious health violation, he's been known to be like shut it down yes and he'll be like people are gonna die so after the dinner service ramsey attempts to retool the menu address the issues that are wrong with the restaurant there's there's usually a big makeover scene where they these poor people have to come in and within the span of 24 hours redecorate right. and, and refurnish and remodel sometimes the entire restaurant. Yeah. And then the the owners come back in, they're like, oh wow, it looks great. Yeah. And then they try the new items on the menu. Gordon sometimes teaches them how to cook it. Sometimes they even bring in a, a chef. Yeah. To like help, Dylan's. Like Dylan's did. And then they do an, a second dinner service with the new menu in the new restaurant and like usually it goes really well. Some there's still like stuff there's some drama. There's some drama in the kitchen usually. And then he does his little final thought and he's like, you know, wow, that was a tough one. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's like the basic format of Kitchen Nightmares. And it's like the same every episode. So back to Dylan's. This restaurant is owned by a man named Muhammad, but is staffed with an absurd number of managers, including Martin Hyde, who would become the plaintiff in the lawsuit. And he's like the GM, the general manager. Yeah, he calls himself the general manager, but there's also an operations manager and a floor manager. Yeah. And this Gor- is a restaurant that gets four tables a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like seriously. And, yeah, and Gordon's like baffled. He's like, "What do you guys even do?" Yeah, well, I've never heard of so many this many managers in in this restaurant. The lawsuit was filed by Martin in June of 2007, two months after the filming of their episode. In the episode, which premiered September 2007, a few months after the suit was filed, Dylan's is skewered for its bad decor, confusing point of view, disgusting kitchen, and incompetent manager, Martin. Martin is like, he is the punching bag of this episode. Right. But he's literally lying in a banquette. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) And getting like a massage from someone else who works there. Is he fucking that waitress who defended him? Do you remember the one who, like Gordon was going off on him and she's like, he doesn't deserve this treatment. And everyone's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And Gordon like went off on her. Yeah. So Ramsey roasts Martin throughout the episode, calling him lazy and berating him for being on his phone all the time. And he is. It's like the camera will pan over to Martin and he'll be texting someone. And this is a very typical manager complaint from Gordon Ramsay. Like Martin is not alone in this. There's been several like owners or managers who are on their phone or like whatever being lazy. Or just checked out in general. So at one point he says to Martin... General manager, general toss pot. <laughs> Martin ends up quitting at the end of the episode. He he's like yeah. about to get fired, but before he can right. get fired, he quits. Well, and another thing that happens this episode is he takes the guy who is the floor manager and puts him in charge of the the like the restaurant line or whatever, like yeah. putting the orders out, and everything goes instantly more smoothly. Whereas Martin couldn't handle it, right? So it's like he has proof. He has proof. So Martin was desperate to not have this episode air, as he knew it would make him and the restaurant look really bad. In the lawsuit, Martin Hyde said that he had little to do with the food at the restaurant, and that he was actually in charge of booking the restaurant's cabaret show which was not featured in the episode. Oh. So he said, we had a whole cabaret act, and that was my duty. (laughs) Maybe that's what other managers were for. (laughs) That explains the outdoor sign. (laughs) Yeah, right? The complaint also said, quote, unknown to the viewing audience, and I read this like whole lawsuit that was filed. It said, unknown to the viewing audience and to the plaintiff until his April 2007 encounter with Ramsey, some or all of Ramsey's kitchen nightmare shows are fake. And so, and the so-called problems uncovered and solved by Ramsey are for the most part created by Ramsey and his staff for the purpose of making it appear contrary to fact that Ramsey is making, making over and improving the restaurant in a great many ways. It continues, plaintiff was aware before getting involved with Ramsey and the other defendants that Ramsey is physically coercive about 6'3 and 220 pounds. 
a captain in the British Special Forces, a skilled practitioner of martial arts, and quite capable of defending himself against physical attack. Ramsay has a reputation in Britain for being one of or the most feared persons in Britain. Whoa. (laughs) I didn't realize Ramsay was so tall. Yeah, he's tall. That's hot. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big guy. Yeah. And so I just think it's like so funny how this this uh, complaint says like, just so you know, this guy's really intimidating (laughs) and he's yoked. Have you ever heard this in a criminal complaint? Oh, it gets better. (laughs) It continues. Plaintiff is 150 pounds with no martial arts experience (laughs) or similar experience and would be unable to defend himself against a physical attack by someone such as Ramsey. What plaintiff did not know before getting involved with defendants was that Ramsey was prone to actual physical violence during his shows and (sighs) unable to control himself physically during the production of shows or deliberately would get out of physical control to create violence and excitement for his shows. Now, Ramsey did not assault Martin Hyde during this show. No. But the suit basically, I guess, is trying to illustrate that he could have. He could have. And that Martin didn't want to defend himself, like stand up for himself. I like, he should write things like, I can barely lift a one pound dumbbell. <laughs> like, just like show how weak he is. It's such an own. I wouldn't want this in any kind of official record. It's like, at this point, just let it go. Like, yeah. you're, you're embarrassing yourself more by creating this whole lawsuit. It's like, bringing a lot of attention to it. The show also accused, or the suit also accused the show of fraud, saying defendants falsely lured plaintiff into Dylan or and Dylan's into participating in the production of one of Ramsey's kitchen nightmare shows and created a variety of false defamatory scenes designed to destroy the job and reputation of the plaintiff and inadvertently as a consequence severely injure the business and reputation of Dylan's examples of falsely created stage scenes include one stating that the Indian food was not fresh supposedly justifying Ramsey ordering the plaintiff to close Dylan's for the rest of the day. Two, placing the blame for, quote, unsatisfactory restaurant conditions and the hiring of incompetent kitchen staff by the plaintiff. Three, immediately increasing the numbers of customers for Dylan's. Four, Ramsey being in induced by his own staff to sit down on an unstable chair created by the staff, giving the appearance that Dylan's was using defective furniture. And five, blaming and firing plaintiff for conditions at Dylan's. The suit also accused the show of hiring actors to portray unsatisfied customers. Now the customers featured in the show are people who are found via casting notices, but they're not act. Oh, I wrote that. That's not part of the suit. Okay. Now <laughs> I was like, you just said that. <laughs> that's what I was going to reiterate. Yeah. Like I said before, these are not actors. Right. These are real people. They're just asked if they'd like to come. Yes. Participate on the show and give their honest reactions. Right. So obviously they, agree, they, they agreed to be on camera. They signed waivers. Well, yeah. To get people to agree to be on camera, you have to talk to them and get the people who want to do it. You can't just right. necessarily set up a camera and have real customers walking in. They'd all be like blurred, blurred and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So obviously they have to get these people to agree, and all of this has got to be agreed upon before they go into a restaurant. I mean, I mean, there has to be lots of paperwork that these restaurants sign. Like we might 
uh, knock down this wall and we might change the menu. and And the thing to remember is this guy doesn't own the restaurant. No. He's just an employee. He also wasn't fired by Ramsey. No, Ramsey can't fire people. He can tell the guy to fire him or like, this is what I would do. Uh, But he doesn't, he didn't fire him. In fact, this guy quit. Yeah. I mean, I like all reality TV shows. Some are more massaged, as they say, than others. Some are more manipulated than others. Just from what I've read about people who've worked on Kitchen Nightmares and people who have attended Kitchen Nightmares tapings and from our friend Isaiah who used to work on Kitchen Nightmares, it is one of the more real reality shows. Obviously, a lot of drama is added in editing. Editing is really where you get the drama in reality. But these restaurants are unsuccessful. Yes. I mean... That is the fact, is that all these... Like, from everything I like have heard is that no, these restaurants are legitimately bad. Yes. There's yes. The score and the sound effects are there to add drama and heighten situations right. in post-production. And it's sometimes edited to look like it's going to be more of a disaster. So the turnaround is more surprising. Right. Uh, but who cares? Yeah. But the reality is the, the, these, these restaurants are actually bad and poorly run. Look, you just have to see the food. Yeah, it looks like shit. Like, I, there's very. I haven't gotten to a one yet where I was like, "That looks good." If it's even if it's not plated properly or whatever, right. like the restaurant might have other problems. And I did read that there are a few where he did like the food. Yeah, but it was like other things that were the issue. Right. So uh, Martin Hyde's lawsuit was thrown out in 2008, and Dylan's closed the following year. Oh, it closed. Oh yeah, it closed. We're going to take a break here, and we will be back with another one. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. 
Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Gordon Ramsay also left a bad impression on a Nashville restaurant and its owner, John Chapman, Kitchen Nightmares came to rescue his Cajun eatery, which was called Chappie's, Oh, after his name. And yeah. everyone in this episode calls him Chappie. He loves it. His name's John. They call him Chappie's. This chef, he's the chef and owner. Mm. He, he is party on the bottom, business on the top. Because he wears like chef whites, like a chef jacket, and one of those... <laughs> <laughs> One of those fancy, the the really tall, stiff chef hats. Oh my god! Do you know what I'm yes, talking about? I do. Like, I absolutely do. Like if you're at like a ritzy hotel, the yeah. guy at the omelet bar is wearing that, and they look like the little papers they put on the, the rack of lamb <laughs> or the turkey. <laughs> they crown roast. Yes. <laughs> but it's like yeah, it's the really tall, stiff. It's very. One. St- it's like a costume. Like he, he wears that. But on the bottom, his pants are like Zubaz pants. They're like with the Save by the Bell print. I like these men who are like, I'm a chef. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) There's like, I've seen a few things where he's like, and you're the cook. Like we'll talk about the one soon in this episode, I think. But it's just amazing to me (laughs) that you would start something like that without... Like, even if I wanted to start and I'm a good cook, and if I knew I was going to make it for a lot of people, I would take some kind of training, yes. right? Like, yes. to learn techniques and, like, just get some stuff together. I wouldn't go to, like, chef school for four years, but I would at least be doing something. Yeah. No, they don't do anything. No. This guy, Chappie, might have been a chef, but his food did not look so good. This food was disgusting for an appetizer. Gordon was served fried green tomatoes, which were, which is, sounds okay. I like those. Me too. These were not your normal fried green tomatoes. It was fried green tomatoes smothered in hollandaise sauce. No. Topped with crawfish tails and finished with shredded Parmesan cheese. What flavor palette is this? Like, (laughs) the flavor profile here is out of control. It's so out of control. There's nothing here that goes together. This is like when someone doesn't have any confidence as a chef and they just douse it in a bunch of other shit. This is like a common theme I've seen on this show. People thinking like gourmet is like a burger with truffle oil, sauteed mushrooms, sauteed onions, bacon bits, and like French... Like, it's just like, they think more means more gourmet or something. And it's like, no, you gotta like... It's it's complicated. Not everything goes together. 
and not and not a, and you're putting too many strong flavors together. It's pointless. Right. You don't taste it at some point. Right. Like, uh, and this sounds like that. Yes, this was like that. So Gordon also ordered their gumbo, and when it came out, he said, "It looks like Chappie took a crappy in my gumbo." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gumbo's hard to look, look great. It is hard to look great. You want it to be great, though. If it yeah. tastes good, who cares? Well, Put some fucking parsley on it or something. No, I was actually going to complain about the parsley in a minute. It's too much? Well, on every single plate around the rim is like a very liberal sprinkling of parsley, which is like... Around the rim? Of the plate. Oh, God. Like, yeah, it's just a very dated thing to do. Totally. If you're a restaurant. Yeah. Like, I, I chop up parsley and put it on my food i mean something that's like a stew you need like a fresh bright green or yes. some kind of citrus or something to kind of brighten it yes uh for sure just like uh, for appearance wise but it has to be something that goes with the dish right yeah i like parsley i'm just saying the way that this parsley was plated was, oh that sounds ridiculous was was ridiculous in that it was for every single dish and it just looked very dated that's something that's irritating because it's like also as a server, <laughs> you're just like, where do I hold the plate? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. So he, he tastes the gumbo and he said, that is fucking disgusting. For an entree, Gordon ordered a dish called the steak and lobster rocket. Mm. And like the previous dishes, this one was also like covered in parsley and he, he tastes it and he goes, that is chewy. And Ugh. then <laughs> the waiter, he, sometimes, occasionally the waiter will come by as he's eating this dish and they go, come on, taste that. Taste oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So he gets the waiter to taste it and he's like, yeah, that's bad. It tastes bad. I like when they have the chef taste it and they're, they're like, mmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bite to it. It's just like, no. So Chappie is in the kitchen fuming because Gordon doesn't like any of his food. Mm. And in his confessional, he says, Chef Ramsay's a dumbass. Sometimes they're mean to Chef Ramsay. They often, my favorite insult that they give to Gordon Ramsay is when they're like, he's British. What the fuck does he know? <laughs> Not only was the food gross, but so was the kitchen. It was your typical moldy food. There was three year old mayonnaise. In the fridge, right. the fridge was disgusting. I mean, this is what we've talked about before as far as the difficulty of owning a restaurant. If you're not, if you don't have a lot of business, you're buying all this food that yes. you have no choice but to freeze. Yes. Uh, or it's going bad or you're saving things way too long to not like lose money. Yeah. And you can't do that. No. Which is like, yeah, you're losing money, but you also, yeah, you also can't do that. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. So... But John Chapman, wait, by the end of the episode, Gordon revamped and pared down the menu at Chappie's. He sort of made this like gourmet modern take on Cajun cuisine. Mm -hmm. That's how any pared down the menu because the menu is one of those like 64 items on the menu. Right. And That's he, always the best decisions like to pare down the yeah, menu. Yeah. So you can focus on like 15 good dishes. And not have so much waste. Yeah. And yeah. do them right. But John Chapman said that these changes ruined his restaurant. Mm. Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares remodels and or refurnishes the restaurants, which I mentioned earlier. These kitchens look garish, dated, or just plain ugly looking. They're oftentimes inoperable. Like things are broken. Like, yeah. yeah. And so Chappie's 
decor in his restaurant featured like a really bad party city style Mardi Gras. Oh God. Stuff. I can picture it. Like the red and green, like the red the, and purple, the purple and yellow gold. and green, the <laughs> yeah. purple and gold and green, like sequins. Yeah. And it was just very cheap looking stuff. And the interior, like that was the only Mardi Gras theme to like the interior itself didn't look Mardi Gras. It was just the decor tacked up places. You could just picture him thinking it was genius too. Oh yeah. And upon entering the restaurant, customers were greeted by a mannequin that was dressed in a Mardi Gras outfit. Oh boy. So... <laughs> It was bad. And this is in Tennessee, right? Yes. Despite the positive changes made to the restaurant, Chappie told the National Enquirer, it was truly a kitchen nightmare for me. Mm. Gordon Ramsay destroyed my business. The episode ends with Chappie going back to cooking his original dishes, abandoning the culinary changes that Ramsay had made. Then he complained that his business was failing. He said, Ramsey's scouts come in with a lot of promises saying you'll be on national television and business is going to boom. But that never happened. Instead, Gordon Ramsey killed my business. I don't get what his point is because he goes back to doing things his way as soon as Gordon leaves. So why, why does he think that's Gordon's fault? Yeah, I mean, like Gordon often says at the end, it's like he gives them these tools and this opportunity. They have to use it. Yeah. They have to use it. So Chappie's closed a month after the episode aired. Also, this business was about to die anyhow. Right. You know, this show gave him a chance at surviving. It's not a guarantee, and it could still close because restaurants close all the time. If your business is going well or if your food is really good, don't call Kitchen Nightmares. You call Diners, Drivers, and Dives. Duh. Look, if your food is really good... You're going to get customers, and the worst your problem is going to be word of mouth, right? Getting yes. people in. It is hard to get people in the door. Yeah. So if your food is good, you all, so going on Kitchen Nightmares would be a boon for you because people are going to know about it, right? Like, right. Uh, yeah. In season five, Gordon and the show traveled to Norwalk, Ohio, to help the restaurant Mill Street Bistro. Mm. Now you watch this episode. What a mess! This two-parter. <laughs> wow. The two-part episode is known for its pretentious and explosive owner, Joe Nagy, who thinks of himself as a gourmand who is serving the best quality food around. One of his cooks refutes Joe's claim, noting that the food is less farm-to-table and more (laughs) freezer-to-table. I wrote that. He said, most of our stuff is frozen. He had some interesting ideas of fr- what fresh meant. Uh, very interesting <laughs> ideas. Now, the waitstaff complains that Joe is an egotistical asshole. One server thinks that the reason people don't come back to the restaurant is because of Joe. Like, this guy has a reputation for being such an asshole that they don't go to his restaurant. And I think they even had, like, review cards written at this place. Yeah. And it was like... The owner is an asshole. Like it was literally them saying that. I mean, that's a bad sign if you're eating at a restaurant and you know who the owner is for a bad reason. Like you figure out, yeah. like, like usually you he, don't even know. No, why is he making himself known in that way? Like he's not like the owner who comes by and is like, hey, how's everyone's meal? Like he comes by and makes a scene. This was like a really interesting episode because this guy clearly had a vision to do something that could be a successful restaurant if yes. done correctly and is is a successful restaurant type all over the country like a farm to table 
very fresh uh, food. Right. And it's sort of seasonal, like whatever you're getting from uh, the garden or, you know, whatever meat is around that's fresh and fish that's caught that day or whatever. Right. But it was just not fresh. It was, that's the key part of the <laughs> restaurant like that, right, right? He missed the key part. And I agree, this this could have been a successful restaurant, but it was executed so poorly and the guy was so unwilling to take direction of any kind. Well, and it was also in an area that didn't have this type of restaurant. So it could have been a good place for a high-end uh, restaurant like this, Yeah, right? like it, it could have been people in this small town's go-to date night. Absolutely, or, or a fancy occasion, or yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. oh, we're going here for my son's graduation dinner. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. come on. So that was the other thing in the episode. The episode really highlighted about how this owner really looked down upon the residents in this town. Yes, and thought of them as like lower class. Yes, and that's his food was sort of, uh, and that was sort of his excuse when you didn't like his food. Right. Well, why don't you go to McDonald's? Right, like if you yeah. don't like this, it's because you don't have a palate. It's like no, your food's just not good. It's not good. It's like he. It's like it was bizarro version of farm to table. Like, it really was. <laughs> so this is what Gordon ordered while he was at this restaurant. He got his for he got a lot of stuff yes. at this restaurant. He, I love when he's like, "I'll get a huge pizza." Oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> or something like that. First, and he has like one bite. Yeah. First he gets the French onion soup. Oh man. And look, I've never made French onion soup before, but this was I don't like I don't know how you fuck it up this bad. It's not a very difficult soup. There's some it's it's time consuming. Yeah. Cuz I think as Gar- um uh, Gordon said, He's like, what are you going to caramelize onions for 35 hours? It's like, Gordon, he did not caramelize those onions for 35 hours, first of all. Right. Yeah. So he gets the French onion soup. It's greasy. The cheese on top is barely melted, which is, that's like the, that's what you want in a French onion soup is you want that bubbling, crusty cheese on top. It's three ingredients, like the soup, the bread, and the cheese, right? Right. And you're right. It's like the key thing is to make that bubbling, crispy cheese look so fucking appealing, you burn your mouth trying to eat it immediately, (laughs) like, because you can't wait. Like, No, this would look like a sad piece of, like, half-melted string cheese floating on top of the soup. No, it was a mess. It was really gross. I like later in the episode when he tries to remake the French onion soup, and he just chops up a bunch of raw red onions and puts them in the soup. I just like <laughs> it's just and, and and on top of it, Gordon was like, "This doesn't even taste oniony." I don't know what he did to I, that soup. I, I really know. have never seen anything like that. It was bizarre. And I've gotten French onion soup at like diners, and it looked better than that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, this was pitiful. Then he ordered oysters Rockefeller. He takes a bite and immediately spits it out, like he's revolted by this. He can tell that these oysters have been frozen. I've never heard of that. I haven't either. I haven't either. I've never heard of a f- using a frozen oyster. Other kind of seafood, yes, I yes, have heard. Yes. But shellfish that's eaten raw, no. <laughs> like that's like freezing sushi. Well, and then defrosting it, right? Actually, I learned this recently. All sushi is flash frozen. Oh, sushi grade. Like you have to flash freeze it first. Oh, yeah. But obviously, you have there's a proper way to defrost it. Yes, and it's not like kept in poor conditions because it doesn't seem frozen. 
No. And I, 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 you can correct me if I'm wrong. I actually don't. I'll look it up again later. But I heard, I heard this hmm. on another podcast. That's really, I've never heard that. Yeah. That sushi, because think about it. Think about all the like non-local sushi fish that's in restaurants. Right. That aren't local to this area. Yeah. Like, so, but oysters. Come on. I've never heard of a frozen oyster. I mean, maybe when it's Rockefeller, because they are cooked, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there's so much water in oysters. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you would defrost that and it not being waterlogged. Yeah. But sometimes they have it all ready made. Like I could picture like Clams Casino, you just throw the whole thing in the broiler I'm not saying I would get that. <laughs> like I can right. see when it's prepared already. Yeah, being like an prepared. appetizer. Yeah. Anyway, so he spits it out. Also, he notices that the sauce on it is broken. Oh God! So it the sauce had split. It was oily and not. Appetizing. How do you bring that out to him? It's crazy. That's what I'm so baffled by on the show. Is how are you not performing your absolute best? It's just I think it every time. Like then, as he's eating. A server comes around holding a plate that has a slice of chocolate cake on it. And Mm. Gordon's laughing because he's like, what is this? And it's like, she's like, oh, we like carry these cakes out to tempt the customers. He's like, why? And then he asks about where the cake comes from. And we learn that the cake is brought in from Cleveland. They don't even like have a baker or even a local bakery. So this is like, I remember doing this when I worked in a chain restaurant where you bring out Instead of giving a dessert menu, you bring out the tray with a slice of each type of cake on it. Yeah, but this was only one slice. (laughs) This was only one slice. And it had like a whole fucking bouquet of flowers flowers surrounding it, which is like really unappealing, actually, because it looked stupid. That was what was so stupid about it is because I've seen like dessert carts or dessert trays. Right. And you're not eating those pieces on right. the tray either. Right. Like, yeah. Because those are just for display. But this was just one single piece of cake that was like being. Okay. Displayed. I missed that because I was watching a baseball game at the same time. I thought she was bringing it to someone that way. Like, that's how they served it. No. <laughs> she was like displaying it. And so. <laughs> Yeah, we learned that the cakes come, they're like flown in from Cleveland or driven in from Cleveland, which is a bizarre choice. Then he orders the scallop en croute, mm. which comes with a garnish of micro carrots. Okay. Which this was <laughs> the stupidest. But I, like, I have a little mini vegetable garden, uh-huh. and that's what my carrots always look like because I don't water them enough, probably. <laughs> so that's like, those are not a thing. There is no mini carrots. That is a carrot that just didn't grow properly. <laughs> like, it's a carrot that failed. It, like, I have those carrots. I laughed so hard when I saw them because I was like, yeah, I have mini carrots too, I guess. <laughs> like, it's, it was the carrot itself was smaller than the size of a pinky. No joke. Oh, it was tiny. It was like, but the greens were really long. Yeah. I, I have a problem with garnishes like that. That aren't edible. Yeah, or that don't really... Yeah, like I feel like garnishes in theory should be edible and part of the dish in some way. Yeah. um, Or at least goes with the dish. Well, it shouldn't be an afterthought. This looks like he literally pulled them up from the the ground and threw them on top. They didn't even look clean. They looked dirty. It was gross. It was just... It was like... (laughs) And why would you put that on top of crispy pastry? It just seems stupid. It was just a bad garnish. So... 
obviously Gordon is dunking on these carrots. He's like, what is, what is this for? Why? What, what is the point of this? And, and the, uh, you know, the Joe is Joe, by the way, has usually the chef waits in the kitchen and stews and sort of spies on the Gordon from the kitchen, but not Joe. Joe came up to Gordon for each meal that he was served and and, confronts and confronts him. He's like, what do you like about this? And he's like, these carrots are ridiculous. Why is this on my plate? Why is this here? Then he bites, you know, he like puts his fork into the scallop on croute. And it's, he takes a bite of the scallop. Oh, I'm sorry. I just have, here's the comment that Joe said, the retort to the carrots. Because when Gordon dunked on the carrots, he said, those same carrots go to the White House. They go to the Five Seasons. Wait, okay, I heard him say that, but I missed part of it. What, said, that's a ridiculous thing he, to say. He said they go to the Five Seasons. The, the Five Seasons. I was just like, what the hell? Like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it's like, oh, Mr. Fancy. Well, and also when Gordon was like, take them, and he's like, he was outraged that Gordon put food in his hand in the dining room. Right. Like, all of a sudden, he had some standards or something. <laughs> so then, um, yeah, Gordon bites into the to the scallop on crude itself. He spits it out, and he calls the scallops rubber bullets. Like, they're mm. rubbery. And it is very easy to overcook scallops. But if you're a good chef, you know this. Right. So who knows how long these scallops were roasting and baking in this pastry. Right. I don't know that you should put scallops in a pastry like that. It's a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Like it almost seems like the top would have to be pre-baked somehow. Yeah, because it would be almost impossible to brown the puff pastry without overcooking those scallops. I'm sure there's a way, but this guy doesn't know it. And they're probably also frozen. Right. Yeah. So he eats the pastry and he notices it's raw. Mm. It's like not even cooked. So, so maybe he did not overcook the scallops. Right. Maybe he was worried about that. He also gets the elk quesadilla. Oh. And Gordon sort of orders this because he's like, what the, why is, who decided that was a good idea? I guess Well, this I'll guy order. also owns like an elk farm or something, right? Or he's a, I don't think he owns an elk farm. I think he's just obsessed with elks because he talks about them a lot and defends them a lot. Well, it's like one of his primary meats at this restaurant. Yeah. So he, he says it's chewy and tough. And he says elk does not belong in a quesadilla. Honestly, also, why is quesadilla even at this restaurant? It doesn't go with anything else on the menu. Unless it was super weird and gourmet version or something. Like I could see that well, working. This, what, the presentation of this quesadilla did not look appetizing at all. No. Um, then he got the vegetarian ravioli. He <laughs> Gordon's comment on this was farmed garbage can. <laughs> You really, this guy really set Gordon up for a lot of uh, zingers. <laughs> he, really he gets the sea bass. The fish is dry, and he's and Gordon notices that it seems freezer burned. It's also rubbery and greasy. Oh, this isn't. Oh, he orders sea bass, but it comes with like two other fish because it's like the catch of the day, and it's like a sampler almost. It's a sampler platter of various catches of the day that somebody caught in a pond in Norwalk, Ohio. This is a high comedy moment when Gordon tries to get him to explain what catch of the day is. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all frozen, so it's like, well, how is it catch? What does catch of the day mean to you? <laughs> 
and it's he's like you're you're pulling the wool over your customer's eyes like he's like catch of the day actually means something yeah it does or at least should be in ironic quotes right right <laughs> catch of someday then the final dish gordon gets is elk medallions mm. i've never had elk but i probably wouldn't order it Although I think I can see why Gordon had to here, right? Of course. It's the specialty. So he says they're tough as old boots. And Joe, they have a confrontation about this elk in the kitchen Mm. afterwards. Because Gordon is like, this is fucking tough. Well, he he has the the waiter try it. That's what it is. He has the waiter try it. Then the waiter sends it back to the kitchen and... Joe is fuming in the kitchen and he's going off and he's, he says, he's dead wrong. It's aged elk. It's supposed to have a bite. And he's chewing it and you know it's tough, but he's making it work. And he's like, I'll swallow this hole and choke on it. Like, I'm going to prove my point, right? Yeah, he, 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 he says, it's aged elk. It's supposed to have a bite. And then he swallows it and then he says, that is a tender elk. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> and then, um, And Joe at one point also says, this is another great quote from this episode, because Joe is like getting in Gordon's face about how he didn't like the elk. And he said, I've been eating elk for 30 years. (laughs) Have you ever heard someone say anything like that before? No, no. (laughs) So then Gordon, this was also a great moment. Gordon meets in secret with a former employee. Oh God, I loved this. (laughs) He almost expected her to be like, shaded with a voice decoder or something like that's was that was how it was presented that was the vibe of the scene like yeah you expected her to have like sunglasses like she was in the witness protection program right it was hilarious teresa's a former but they're really just like in the parking lot yeah yeah she's a former employee and she (laughs) she shows gordon photographs that she took of food in the kitchen which include a gross picture of meat sitting in blood. A gross, grocery store bought pork chops, like literally yeah. the, the pork chops you buy at the store. Gross looking veggies, store bought steaks. And basically, these photos show that like nothing is actually farm to table. It's like stuff you buy at the supermarket. Right. And he has like a steak subscription service, like those steaks, like Omaha steaks or something. Right. Yeah. So in the freezer, when Gordon goes looking himself, he finds a treasure trove of frozen meats, including chicken, shrimp, and oysters. And Mm. the oysters are literally, they're not even in the shell. They're already shucked and frozen. Yes. It's just like that glob. With like ice crystals (laughs) all over them. That's not going to be a good oyster. He also finds a bucket filled with frozen blue cheese. That was unreal. I just remember him saying, who freezes blue cheese? (laughs) I love that. It was so bizarre. It was baffling. It was baffling. Do you mind, Melon? They scream at each other all throughout this episode. At one point, Gordon shouts, wake up. And Joe responds, you wake up. Gordon has met his match. (laughs) Because <laughs> this this guy goes at him like if I'm that then you are too like yeah you know back and forth he's not having it and this is Gordon's least favorite kind of person oh totally this is like the 
the prototypical villain on Kitchen Nightmares that is completely egomaniacal, completely unself-aware, unwilling to change. And they derive all of their self-worth from being the owner of this restaurant, too. Right. So it's like the worst combination. Because the criticism of the restaurant is a direct hit on them. And the number one thing he hates is that this owner treats his waitstaff poorly. Yes. And he's always threatening them. Right. uh, That telling them they can leave if they like bring up anything. After the show finished filming, Joe Nagy fired a lot of his staff, including the chef, and he took over himself as the main chef. Mm. Then, in December of 2013, Joe renamed the restaurant Maple Street Tavern, I guess as an attempt to obscure (laughs) the fact that his spot was blown up. Yeah. But it continued to struggle. Shortly after filming, Joe Nagy accused the production of stealing stuff from his restaurant, including an expensive pot. Now, I've only seen this story reported in the mirror, so you know it's... That's a highly trusted source. That's a highly (laughs) trusted source. But according to them, this matter was settled out of court, and Joe was given 900 pounds. So it was like a La Crusade. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like an expensive pot. Yeah, it was like two La Crusade pots. And also the blue cheese was missing. Yeah. We don't know where that went. <laughs> and that was farm-to-table blue that cheese. That was a $45 block of blue cheese. So Joe's Maple City Tavern closed in 2015. Now, before I get into some Redditor's experiences with being on Kitchen Nightmares, I just wanted to briefly talk about the state of the kitchen at Fiesta Sunrise. Oh, my God. This is a restaurant in Nyack, New York. It's a Mexican restaurant. This is also one of the nastiest kitchens I've ever seen. I didn't get to that section yet. I I just basically saw the intros, and I already hate the stepfather. I think what makes this such a memorable, nasty kitchen is that Gordon Ramsay, while he's like rifling through all the rotting food, the slimy chicken, and of course it's my favorite part of the show is when he's rifling through the kitchen and it's intercut with people who are in the restaurant eating the food. Oh my God. And the music's super dramatic. Wait, I did see some of this because I remember him pulling up a block of ground beef that had fat attached yes. to it. So he pulls up a block of ground beef and it has like this five inch layer of, of congealed fat. And Gordon s- says to the owner, it's fatter than you. <laughs> that was the last thing I saw. And I was like, God, I have to go. Yeah. Um, that was, I, I, even I was like, Gordon, come on. that's a little unnecessary. He was fucking livid. Um, but oh, this is another one of my favorite setups on a, a Kitchen Nightmares where some of the family members are like, he's finally going to get his shit handed to him by Gordon Ramsay. Mm-hmm. It's like they haven't, none of them have the nerve to stand up to this guy. Right. And they're like, please stand up to him finally. It's like, come on, guys, get it together. Like, Right. They're waiting for it. Yeah. But the most memorable thing he finds in the kitchen is a garbage can filled to the brim with refried beans. Oof. Refried beans that is being served out of a garbage can. And Gordon is incensed. And he said, and he picks it up. He picks it up and he hoists it and he walks it into the dining area. Oh, God. And he slams it down on one of the tables and he's like, look. <laughs> he's to the customer. He's like, that's where your food's coming from. And they're like, 
(laughs) spitting out whatever was in their mouth. I mean, I'm kind of grateful to know that these were volunteers. Yes. When I see, because he does go into the dining room a lot and show them things. And I'm like, dude, these people must be fucking freaking out. (laughs) See, that's why I could never sign up to be on the show knowing that you can't pick if you get to the get to go to the before or the after because getting paid, I would, I would be like, I'd bail. If, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do I it. I could not do it. Cause I've, I know the states of these kitchens. Yeah. There's no way. So another, um, memorable line that Gordon says, he says to the owner, I wouldn't trust you running a bath. <laughs> This guy was just out of his depth. I mean, yeah. This restaurant closed before the episode even aired. Well, the thing about this restaurant, too, and Gordon had a good point was like, he's like, you have enough food to feed hundreds of people, but there's four tables booked for the whole day. Right. Like, I mean, not that this food was good, but there was a ton of these beans and rice and all of this junk that they were putting together. Yeah. We're going to end this episode by talking about some. People who were asked on Reddit if they had ever been to a Kitchen Nightmares taping. This is a comment from six years ago. Ooh. Roger Simon 010 said, I didn't work at the restaurant, but my dad and I ended up being one of the diners you see in the after scenes. It was originally a seafood place that the show said was going downhill because of infighting, kitchen incompetence, and the menu which hadn't been updated in like six years. We had gone to the place a couple times in the past before they were on the show, and it was okay. I mean, we did go there more than once, so it wasn't horrible, but not exactly five stars either. So Gordon did this thing, did his thing, and they remodeled the entire place and put in a totally new menu. We walked into the place and it was gorgeous. And the food had an amazing transformation. But there are a lot of things that happen on set that you do not see in the show, of course. Gordon came out to the dining area about 15 minutes into our meal and walked around asking each table about their experience. When he got to our table, I was trying really hard not to gush. It was really stressful when he asked if the risotto was cooked to our liking. I said, it's perfect. But I swept my hands apart in a big gesture and spilled my entire glass of water right into Gordon's crotch. (laughs) He laughed it off and told us not to worry a bit about it. He said if cold water was the worst he got splashed with in the kitchen, it was a good day. He swapped out clothes and carried on as if nothing had happened. He's got that pissed off madman character on the air, but he was extremely personable in real life. Anyway. Well, he's a successful. Oh, this is a prank. This is a joke. Wait, what? This has to be a joke. Listen to how this story on Reddit ends. (laughs) My father beat the living shit out of me with a set of jumper cables when we got home, though. He said it was the single most mortifying experience he had ever been a part of other than my birth. Well, maybe that ending is a joke. Roger Simon 0110. Did that really happen? I think it seems believable. I think that he just added that bit on at the end. Anyway, that's Reddit for you. This is from Hobo Clown from three years ago. That seems reliable. 
<laughs> this person says, a guy I used to work with knew someone that worked on the show. That's always how these start. Yeah. My, my, my cousin's <laughs> friend's brother. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been to... Oh, this person was at a few tapings, though. This okay. I've been to a few tapings as a customer. It's not staged, but it is massaged, like I imagine most reality TV shows are. You make a reservation through the production company and show up at your allotted time, sign a release, and sit down and eat a meal like at any other restaurant. The lights are turned way up so there, and there's no music playing, so it's a bit of a surreal dining experience. I only ever ate on days after the place was renovated and Gordon changed the menu, so the food was good and I didn't see any crazy drama or yelling. Random notes. At one of them, my buddy said he thought he saw a hair on his plate, and a producer and a cameraman rushed over to film it. (laughs) The producer then said, I think that's yours, and my buddy agreed, so they walked away. Didn't make the episode. Another time, our appetizers were running a few minutes late. Not so much that we actually noticed, but not enough that it ended up being a dramatic commercial break on the finished episode complete with shots of us looking around concerned about something. At a third taping, our dinner was running very late. A producer kept asking us if we wanted to leave, saying that they would totally understand if we walked out right now, and that if we did, they would comp our meal the following night if we came back. I guess they needed shots of angry customers walking out because service was slow. We stayed anyway, and the owner came over and bought us shots. What do you mean the meal will be comped? It's not comped already? Apparently they give you like a $40 credit. Really? That's <laughs> what I saw in another post. That is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Especially melon. Especially if you get the bad version of the restaurant. Oh, that's not comped? <laughs> that is outrageous. Yeah. I feel like it should all be comped. Yeah, but I've seen several people say that like you had to pay for it, but like... Well, because it probably limits what people order, right? Like, right. if I know I'm paying for it, I'm going to be like, well, I'm not getting this dish, or I, I might get like an appetizer and a dessert and an entree, but not if it's not being paid for. Right. Alright, one more. Edited for clarity. This is from Cake for Dindins from three years ago. This person says, no, it does not seem overly staged. I think the question on Reddit was like, is it staged? Sorry, I got excited. I had a relevant experience to share and didn't think how I worded it. Yes, the infamous Amy's Baking Company was a block away from where I worked. So a coworker and I cut work to go spy on filming. Man, does he unleash some awesome tirades that never make the cut. He is so pissed because he's really passionate about the restaurant industry and he hates willful ignorance. Honest mistakes and inexperience are met with much more kindness. Keep in mind, this is what I interpreted from watching him. He never outwardly said anything like that. He is highly protective of wait staff, especially younger wait staff. That's all I really got to see. He really is, came across as a stand-up guy, though. And that's where we will leave off. For part one, next week, we're going to be returning to break down everything Amy's Baking Company, maybe some other tidbits, and we're bringing in a very special guest, Kara Berry from Everyone's Business But Mine. Yeah, I'm excited. To join us. We finally have her on. Yeah, we decide, I mean, because Desi and I never have guests on this show. Well, right when we were deciding to have guests, the pandemic happened. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So we were kind of like going into that direction to have them occasionally. Yeah. Not like all the time, but yeah. It's also just the way our stro- show is structured. It just, we never really figured out a way we would have guests on the show. Yeah, I think it was more to replace the mini more yes. than like the main show. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when we were talking to Kara today, because we just did her podcast today, we were like, oh, we should do, when we do like another reality show on, I'm like, well, let's just fucking have Kara on next week. Yeah. I have been wanting to have her on for a while. She's had Same. both of us on her many show times. many times, and it's just a travesty. That we, haven't, we <laughs> ha- that we haven't figured out a way to get a guest on. It was We just needed to figure out the right topic, and yeah. I think this will be perfect. I'm so excited yeah. to get her takes. Me too. Me so too. anyway, that should be exciting. We are going to record our after show now, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.